Hi, this is Till, and the Thinking Practitioner podcast is supported by ABMP, Associated Bodywork and Massage Professionals. ABMP membership gives professional practitioners like you a package including individual liability insurance, free continuing education, and quick reference apps, legislative advocacy, and much more. ABMP CE courses, podcast, and Massage and Bodywork magazine always feature expert voices and new perspectives in the profession including Whitney Lowe, my co-host, who is not here today, and myself, Till Luca. Thinking Practitioner listeners can save on joining ABMP at abmp.com thinking. And today's episode has a very personal dimension for me. About uh, nine years ago, when Loretta Cardin Luca, my wife and partner of 38 years, was diagnosed with breast cancer, it was really a shock uh, for, for both of us, obviously. And that journey of being with her through her cancer journey has catalyzed a lot of learning in uh, a lot of ways for me professionally and personally. And uh, one of those was that as her live-in body worker, I had to really retool the way that I did my hands-on work with her. I really had to learn how to work with her differently in the different types of treatment she was going through. She's uh, nine years later, she's been through three surgeries, two rounds of radiation. She's just finishing her second round of chemotherapy and about to start a third round of radiation. She is also an accomplished body worker herself. And uh, I've been lucky enough to have her as my live-in body worker when the time is right for that. And I'm lucky enough to have her, along with some other guests, on today's podcast as a guest. Hello, Loretta. Thanks for joining us today. Hello. Great. Thanks for being here. I really wanted you in this conversation because as I had to do the retooling that I mentioned, having to recalibrate what I was doing as a body worker with you, uh, your input was so uh, crucial to be able to have your guidance and then, uh, you know, in this most recent round of treatments you've been going through, I realized at some point, I really, I'm just such a learner, such a beginner at this, that I really want some more input, more ideas, more help. And I'd done some research and reading early on, but went back, hit the books again, and came up with uh, oncology massage and integrative approach to cancer care, ordered the book. It came and I realized it's published by Handspring Publishing, whom I also published the book for, so I didn't even realize that. And so I thought, wow, why don't I talk to the authors, Janet Penny and Rebecca Sturgeon, about this whole journey that I'm on and see if there's anything useful for other people as well. So uh, Janet Penny and Rebecca Sturgeon, welcome very much. Janet, let's start with you if we could. You are a registered massage therapist. Thanks for being here today. Anything else you can tell us about yourself? Absolutely. I've been a registered massage therapist in Ottawa, Canada for about 15 years. It took me uh, an excruciating seven or eight years to complete the training, which is usually two or three years here in Ontario, but a mix of um, children being born and parents uh, dying was, uh, it took up a lot of time. So it took me forever to complete the program. And when I finally did, I didn't even have a clue if I still liked massage or not. So there I was newly registered and started working 
unfortunately found that I absolutely love it and I have never tired of it. About seven or eight years ago, I got the opportunity to work at an integrative cancer center here in Ottawa, which was really one of its kind at the time. And there I got embedded in integrative cancer care and really started to understand not only what massage therapists could bring to people living with cancer, but what naturopaths and uh, traditional Chinese medicine practitioners, acupuncture, yoga therapy, on and on and on together could help really support the, the health and the healing of people living with cancer. Uh, a few years into working there, I got the opportunity to work on the book with Rebecca, Oncology Massage, and the rest is history at this point. Oh, that's, and I'm so pleased that you uh, accepted my invitation and can talk me through these things. And Pleasure Rebecca, yeah, Rebecca, I first met you uh, through your work with HealWell as yes. their education director. You're also a massage therapist, huh? Yes. What else? What else do you want us to know about you? Um, well, as you said, I'm the education director for Heal Well and also the producer of Heal Well's podcast. So it's nice to have this podcast trade with you today. Um, and um, just I started oncology massage as an escape from my spa job. Um, we were given the opportunity to take the training and, and work somewhere that was not the spa, which um, I thought was amazing because I'm not suited for spa work. Um, never thought that it would be the thing that I ended up loving the most. Um, and uh, through a various circuitous journey, started teaching oncology massage, continuing education, first for an organization called Greet the Day, which is based in California, and then for HealWell, and uh, eventually became HealWell's education director. Um, and through that, got the opportunity to work with Janet on this book um, and to, to kind of just come in when the book proposal had already been written <laughs> and um, help with this project. So in addition to my work with Hillwell, I'm also a writer in, um, in other genres, and I'm very grateful to be here today. Grateful that you're with us. And I, you're both educators, you're both writers, and uh, you know, probably this idea for me came from a moment where I'm just thinking, okay, I could just really use some help and support here. And figuring this out so it came from a personal place but then as i start to expand it and think how can we have this conversation here in this format and ask the, the really the main question is what do massage or manual therapists need to know about working with people with cancer and cancer treatment uh, i just want to as we lead into that i just want to acknowledge that you as educators um i don't know if you feel this way about it but when people ask me that kind of question about things that I teach, the answer, I always uh, have to pause from them because the answer is always, well, get some training, of course, and get a lot of training. And to think that maybe in an hour podcast, we could even do something that was useful, important, and responsible is maybe a tall order. And yet, nonetheless, I want to try with the full acknowledgement of that, that there's a lot, it's such a big field, and I appreciate that the more I look into it, that uh, I really understand that and I imagine that a lot of the answers are going to be lead-ins to much bigger conversations. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's we have a joke at Hillwell, but it's actually true that the answer to every question is it depends. Yeah. Um, so the answer to that question is it depends. Right. It depends. <laughs> yeah. Well, depend or not, my still my uh, my hope is to again come away with some pearls for myself, but also just help the listeners with some 
ideas or tools or awarenesses that will help them when they have someone come to them that's living with cancer or in cancer treatment. Yeah. So what, what would you say? What are some of the essential things that we need to know? Um, you need to know what you don't know. Um, you need to know what you don't all. know. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and hold what you don't know. Um, and you need to know how to, how and when to ask questions. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously there's, there's information and, and as you acknowledge till it's, it's more than we can cover in an hour conversation. Um, but we've said before, and I know I said this to Janet so many times, she probably wanted to punch me through Skype, but our book is really about critical thinking. Mm. And oncology massage is really about critical thinking um, more than almost anything else. Mm -hmm. What would you add, Janet? Critical thinking for sure. And when I'm offering short webinars on this subject, I always want to give people a strong foundation because when a client comes in, they can come in with emotional complexity and very complex signs and symptoms. So how do we take all that information in a short period of time and give a treatment that's at least safe, if not safe and effective for what they're bringing in and hoping to have worked on? So we look at, we use critical thinking, but we also want to have a fairly broad knowledge of biomedical cancer treatments and how they impact the body, especially the soft tissues, which is what we work with. We want to really look at the basic oncology massage principles of um, pressure adaptation, the site that you work on, your duration of the treatment, and the duration of time you spend on a given area of the body, as well as positioning. We want to always think three-dimensionally because cancer treatments have an impact throughout the entire body. If you think of radiation treatment, it not only has its entry point, and, but its exit point as well, and it impacts everything in between. So we need to be thinking beyond just the skin and the muscles that we're feeling under our hands and think about the blood vessels and the lymphatic vessels and the organs that are underneath that and how they might have been impacted by the radiation and how that might impact some of the signs and symptoms that the person's bringing in. And finally, we can use the stages of healing as a guide for our treatment. So if somebody's just had surgery and it's a few weeks after the surgery, that stage of healing, it's too early to work directly on the area that's had the incision. So we want to make sure that we're always respecting and supporting the body as it heals. Okay, that's a great, that's a great outline. And there's, that's a good framework for a discussion. So where, where do you want to start? What's the most important thing to unpack there? Oh, tough question. Um, <laughs> So something I came across recently, I, I get uh, research sent to me routinely, and this was uh, a research study called Manual Therapy for Patients with Radiation-Associated Trismus After Head and Neck Cancer. Trismus. So I, yeah, so the difficulty opening the jaw, which is often impacted by the radiation treatment to the head and the neck. Mm. And I didn't want to pay the whatever amount to, to read the article. So I contacted one of the lead authors and asked if she would send it to me. So we started a dialogue and she, her name is Holly McMillan and she's given me permission to use her name when I talk about this. She's a speech language pathologist and a certified lymphedema therapist at MD Anderson Cancer Center. And this is what she wrote to me in one of her emails. Um, she said that after all of her education, she went back to school to 
obtain her massage license uh, because she thinks it plays a critical role in cancer recovery and she can't remember how to treat a patient without some sort of massage therapy intervention. So I love this interchange for a whole bunch of reasons. One is the incredible work and the detail that was in the study in terms of supporting manual therapy, dealing with uh, radiation Christmas after head and neck cancer treatment, but also the fact that as a researcher and a speech language pathologist, she's truly is integrative for us. And she brings a perspective that we can't have as massage therapists. Um, so yeah, saying, I guess- You're saying sorry? a couple of things. You're saying it, one, yeah. we, we gotta be humble. We gotta realize even when we looked at everything, there's still more to know. Yes. And you're also saying there's a role for massage or manual therapy and all kinds of treatment, all kinds of recovery processes from these treatments. Very much. It was very affirming of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Okay. So let's, how about pressure? What about pressure? You listed it as one of the things that was important to talk about. And Absolutely. you mentioned, yeah. you know, Tracy Walton's pressure scale. Yes. What, what can you tell us about that? It's important for well, us it's to know. It's, it's so um, vitally important and, and we're so like grateful, um, eternally grateful to Tracy Walton for allowing us to, to use her pressure scale um, because it is unlike other ways that manual therapists describe the pressure they're using, it is an objective reproducible scale that is based on which tissues you are touching and how your body is approaching your uh, client or patient's body. Yeah. Um, it, it is um, one of, I think the most vitally important adaptations is to be able to modulate um, and accurately and consistently modulate the pressure um, on someone's tissues, someone's body uh, because of the effects of cancer treatment that even local treatments can have systemic effects and even um, treatments that happened Year, months or years ago can continue to have effects on the tissues of the body. Um, so Janet was talking about thinking of the body three-dimensionally. Um, I would say you also think about not just as Janet was saying, working with the soft tissues, but um, really the nervous system as being one of the most important systems that we affect um, mm -hmm. and the way that you um, modulate pressure. Mm -hmm. um, definitely affects the nervous system and affects the body systemically. Um, so that's, I think, one of the most important hands-on adaptations um, to oncology massage. Yeah, is, to, really... is to understand the role of pressure. Mm. Is it as simple as the lighter, the better? No, no, it is absolutely not that simple. <laughs> um, yeah, and... and um, Loretta, I would love to hear your thoughts on this Loretta, as well. Loretta, you were shaking your head no. As someone also, who yeah. has received. Right. Well, um, it's like, I think, Rebecca, you said earlier, it really depends, right? Yes. On what yes. part of the body we're touching, you know? Mm -hmm. Is it the site? Or it depends on where I'm at in the treatment in terms of pressure too. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And it depends on things like how you, your individual body is responding to treatment, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to name this episode, It Depends, I think. Please do. But, in, <laughs> but, in the, but let's take it another level because in, it's, that can be a conversation stopper too. That can stop mm -hmm. us from really going into the, it depends on what. So well, what, does, what does pressure yeah. depend on? 
Pressure depends on um, how someone's body is responding to treatment. So we, we talk in the book also about like using the quote unquote medical model as a way to, um, to inform critical thinking. And that includes things like um, asking questions about people's activity levels and it had they have they modified their activity levels so for example the way you modify pressure for someone who is used to running 20 miles a day who in treatment is only running 10 miles a day might be different than the way you modify pressure for the person who is used to walking a mile a day and now is in bed most of the day right so you turn it down a lot more for that second person right right yeah. so you are always as with anybody work right i think you would i think we would all agree you are you are informed by the population, but you're looking at the individual and you are, you are working with this individual human as they are right now. Mm -hmm. um, so things like uh, current activity level, things like the type of treatment and where in treatment um, uh, someone is, are they in the middle of treatment or in what we call active treatment? Um, was their treatment done a month ago, done a year ago, done 17 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, right. We also look at things like what is- with, Sorry, with time from time sense treatment being uh, an indicator of how experimental I might be with pressure. Say, if it's been longer than I can be a little more experimental, you're saying, or what? Well, say it with me till it depends. Um, <laughs> uh, again, depends. on- Yeah. Oh, yeah, this depends on what? Um, on- the types of treatment and that how it's affecting their body. So for example, there are things like having lymph nodes removed during the field of radiation that are permanent changes to the body and to the way the lymphatic system works is in fact, one of the most important adaptations um, for oncology massage. Um, there are things like uh, surgical interventions that might um, affect range of motion or the way that someone's body yeah. Uh, someone operates inside their body for a long time. Um, Janet always gives the amazing example about um, reconstructive surgery uh, for breast cancer and how that can affect shoulder scar uh, formation, can affect shoulder range of motion. Um, also things like type of, if someone is receiving a chemotherapy or an immunotherapy, a, a drug therapy, quote unquote drug therapy, um, what is it? what was the purpose of it um, and uh, how can it affect the body? So for example, uh, like typical chemotherapy, anti-neoplastic chemotherapy is designed to target fast dividing cells. So the side effects of that can be different than a therapy that is designed to um, target, uh, that is an, a targeted immune therapy, immune, uh, immunotherapy. Yeah. Um, so it's things like that. It's also things like if someone is receiving radiation, is it external or internal radiation? Where on the body? What are the other, like Janet said, what are the other um, organs, tissues, systems that can be touched um, by the radiation? What else, Janet? Yeah, one thing that comes to mind with the amount of pressure we use is what our clients expect and what they think is realistic. And often people will say no pain 
no gain. So they want a very deep treatment, mm. which might be appropriate. I'm not even convinced it is, but maybe it is if you have tight hamstrings after running, but it's probably not appropriate. And it might even be dangerous if you're dealing with the tissue density after radiation. So one of the things we have to do is once we're convinced that we have to moderate the pressure, we also have to educate our clients on what's actually going on in the tissues in their body and why a certain amount of pressure is safe or unsafe for them. Mm -hmm. So how might you do that with the person that wanted more pressure on their hamstring, say? How might you talk to them or what might you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, if, if they're still running, like Rebecca says, uh, 10 miles a day, then they might have a very deep treatment on those hamstrings, but on the area that's received radiation, it would be much softer. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a tough one because, you know, does the customer know best or do we know best? Mm -hmm. And I see it as an opportunity to educate people. And occasionally I've had people who are really not satisfied with a lighter pressure and they don't come back. And I often have a discussion with them as they leave that, they have to find the best massage therapist for them at that time, but that they want to make sure that the person they're seeing understands the impact of cancer treatments and what that can do and how we have to moderate our treatment. Some people will get it and some people won't. Mm -hmm. So you, you, it sounds like you have your own limit for how much you're comfortable using and you find yes. ways to talk about that. So it's, I'm just wondering about the education process, how you help someone understand why you have the limits you do in a way that doesn't predispose them to feel like they're messed up, damaged or flawed, you know? Yeah. This is, um, this is challenging. I, one of my favorite phrases that I use when I'm in that situation of, of, uh, speaking with a client is, um, your body is busy right now. <laughs> And um, your body is very busy doing something that's important and vital. And I don't want to interrupt that. Um, but you're right, Till. It's, it's a, a delicate um, balance that requires a lot of um, inner understanding on the part of the therapist, as well as um, open presence in, um, in the treatment room. Um, one of the things that I think also helps is we, I tell students all the time in our continuing education classes that you are not taking things away from people when you're adapting for their cancer treatment or their um, experience with cancer treatment. What you're doing is adding your knowledge, your increased knowledge that you have spent time and money to get and you're giving this to people even though because I think framing, if we go in thinking, I am taking away this deep pressure, I'm taking away this particular thing, um, then it's harder to um, have a conversation with the person in front of you and think of them as someone who is lacking or missing out. If we arrive in our wholeness, then we can also allow our clients and patients to arrive in their wholeness, whatever that looks like today. I'm just thinking back again with my experiences with you, Loretta, how um, I don't really know. For me, it was, you know, I had, we had habitual ways of working before you started treatment that we had to adjust, but it really became a process of just really getting you to guide me in terms of the pressure you needed. 
And then, you know, and taking it very cautiously, especially with the radiation phase or all, all of it, honestly, but just to see how you responded, because yeah, I, I'm aware of the fact that like a lot of situations that how it feels in the moment isn't the only guide either. We have to see how you are later. That's part of the conversation with the clients as well to really stay in touch with them throughout the treatment, but also to stay in touch with them after the treatment. I usually email people a few days after treatment to see how they feel. And I ask them for any and all feedback because it will guide further treatments. And always tell them that we work cautiously at first, but then we can work less cautiously, but still carefully as we work together over a period of time and I get to know their body and they get to know what massage does to their body as they go through cancer treatments, because that is the unknown. I think, I hope, Loretta, I hope you got my little autoresponder follow-ups with you to see how you're doing after our <laughs> massages there. Do you have Over any morning coffee? That's right. <laughs> do you have any thoughts about this question we're unpacking here, Loretta? How do we modulate the pressure? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, I like what what you're all saying, and um, yeah, I'm fortunate that I have an in-house um, body worker because I can say a few hours later, and even a day or two later, like, "Wow, this is what I'm experiencing," and we can um, know that and work with that. So that's fortunate for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, it depends on what's going on physiologically at the site um, or other parts of my body in terms of depth and kinds of work. Um, there's different kinds of work that I've chosen to do at different times, like, you know, whether it's lymph, lymph work, or acupuncture or body work, deeper light or whatever. Um, but I like, uh, I think Rebecca, you said something about open presence and I think that's really important. And I think maybe I'm assuming what you meant by that, but open presence, when you mentioned it, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's something about that contact with the client or therapist with me that allows me to inhabit my body in a way to, um, in the moment, know what I'm feeling physiologically and to, um, because it's a new territory for me too, right? And so the therapist can really help me by being in that open presence in terms of finding what I need, because, you know, it depends on our personality typologies too. We might just say, oh, go do whatever, you know, you know, you're the, you're the expert and hand over my power. But really, I think to empower the client is one of the most important things, because this is a journey. Cancer is a journey with a message, I think, and it can be so easily missed if we're not being attended to with that kind of presence, if you follow me. Um, yeah, I love it. Yeah. And yeah. so physiologically, there's all this stuff going on, but emotionally too will affect the kind of touch that I'm needing mm-hmm. that day. Like I might have deep work one day, but the next day I'm in this dark, unmotivated, <clears throat> emotional place and I can only have hands laid. I'm picturing, yeah, I'm picturing, you know, we have this five level pressure scale from Tracy Walden. I'm, fi- I'm picturing like a uh, present scale from Loretta, like pounds of presence or something like that, that we, uh, we need to amp up in inverse proportion to whatever's going on there. So this, I just, I, it's true, Loretta, that I'm, that's my biggest takeaway in my memories of having to do that calibration process in the beginning, I had to pay a lot closer attention in a way. And it really was uh, a process of me paying attention and then you inviting you to pay attention to and having that dialogue in a moment that made it uh, 
educational for me. Made it worse. And it can be very empowering for the client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because cancer is, and, and it might help a client realize cancer is part of my journey, my spiritual journey. And, you know, who am I? And, you know, in that moment, can I really feel into who I am, what I need, and express that? That can happen in a session. That's a big emotional piece. And oftentimes, and I have experienced this, a client can feel missed emotionally and, and therefore not, you get have, the phys- not get the physical attendance they need, maybe. What? Yeah. Do you have examples or ideas about how we could miss or how you've been missed, maybe? Oh, yeah. The, um, so, I mean, an example would be for me, I'm showing up at, at, the, um, at the office of, of the massage therapist who's busy and moving fast. Mm. And I'm like having treatment. I'm slow. I'm unmotivated. Things are dying inside of me. I'm in a totally altered space. And I met with a, a pace that doesn't match me. And I, I either feel like I can withdraw or I feel like I have to meet that. And so I have to come out of myself to meet that. And that's not really therapeutic, actually. That's not helpful. That's not me as a client making the time and spending the money and hoping for a connection and then to show up and not be met in terms of emotion. Well, it moves into the emotional realm and even physical because maybe they're touching me too fast or telling me what, telling me about my experience versus really coming in with the presence that I think Rebecca's talking about, open presence and like, feeling into what I need versus what they think I need or just not being present. And that's so, that's like one of the biggest things because I can end up leaving a session like really feeling missed and more emotional and like, mm-hmm. and I'm, and almost like um, just missed and not seen and not part of the world of the living, which you really feel when you're in treatment, you are removed from the world of in a way. And so I think I'm getting more into the emotional piece there, but it's a big piece. It was a big piece for me. How am I being received, held, met? Not only physiologically, but emotionally, and maybe not physiologically if they're moving too fast and telling me what I need. I mean, I had somebody telling me to lay on my stomach and I had a port in and I didn't want to. Oh, it's okay. You know, everybody does it. We can put the donut. I'm like, I really don't want to lay on my stomach. Find a way to work with it. You know, and I, and I, I got a little bit um, triggered by that. And so I don't want to have to get, I don't want my client to have to get triggered emotionally in session because they're already saying what they need and I'm telling them, you know, it's okay to do it a different way when I'm specifically saying, I don't want to learn my stuff. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm, I do. That's like your... Little things like that can just turn a person. Well, there's all these tangible examples. Like I think this is part of your position factoring in your model, Janet and Rebecca, but it's, it's all these are in, in a way uh, metaphors or ways to talk about this process of meeting our clients and for me, as a therapist, uh, putting my agenda on hold enough to really sense where my client or partner or you know my, the person on the table is and to see what they need and to join them in some ways in that uh, very unique, interesting universe they're in. 
I'm really curious how we can instruct massage therapists in that and still stay very safely within our scope of practice. Because I think what you're talking about is the magic of massage. I think that's where the extraordinary work really happens, Mm -hmm. but it's nowhere in my scope of practice, any of that. Um, Really? What What do you mean? Our scope of practice is very much focused on the, the physical intervention of massage therapy. Yeah. But I do think that what yeah, Rebecca and Loretta you're talking about is really massage therapy. I think that's where the extraordinary work happens. And how do we talk about technique and uh, the safety of oncology massage and bring that other stuff into the awareness and still have the practitioner able to maintain a really clear therapeutic boundary so that they don't feel that they're the counselor and so that they don't go home exhausted at the end of the day. I think it takes a lot of finesse to do that, but I think it's critical. Well, Well, I think you're talking about bedside manner and, um, you know, I would even like to see that in the medical profession, just simple bedside manner. Well, that's another story. But but Janet, I want to I want to maybe push back a little bit on what you said about scope of practice, because we're not talking, I don't think, I don't think Loretta her saying, uh, ask about their spiritual path and make sure any, you know, figure out what their emotional life is. I don't, I didn't hear her say that. I heard her talking about how we do the physical. If your scope of practice is the physical, doesn't that include how we do it? Things like pacing and things like the choices we make and the things that the tone of voice we use, those sort of things. Aren't those part of scope of practice? They, they are, um, you know, I haven't read my scope of practice in a little while, but (laughs) I think it's probably not the written part of the scope of practice, but it is, Uh I think, integral to how we're trained to do our work. And when I was being trained, I don't remember too much of that. And yet Mm. I very easily brought that with me, Mm -hmm. uh, to the work. Um, but I mean, I go for massages with different people all the time and they're, they're not bringing that presence. They're not bringing an awareness of me on the table and in that moment. So I do think there's something missing in terms of how we are taught and how sort of the, the entirety of massage is explained to us as we learn the trade. Right. Well, I think that's exactly right. Like our, the way our scope of practice is written is all about, well, you can use these tissues and these parts of your body to work with these tissues. And um, you don't, you know, uh, (laughs) you don't open up any tissues with your, but um, we know in in actual practice and in actual interactions with human beings, you you cannot touch someone's tissues without also also touching their spiritual, emotional, psychological being. Yeah. Um, and whether we're trained in that or not is is part of what we really need to work with, and it's part of the challenge of just being human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll yeah. just I'll just interject a little bit. I'm not suggesting that anybody, um, you know try to counsel but I think I think I don't know if it was Rebecca or Janet who mentioned we have the tools and the skills for the work the hands-on work but there's some kind of um, awareness of client state and what might be going on that we can be present to without 
even entering that with them without without mm -hmm. questioning it, without trying to take them anywhere, but just sort of an, an, a knowledge that, wow, there's, there's a lot going on for this person. I mean, we would think that if we ran into somebody in the grocery store and they said they were going chemo, wow, your world is different than mine. Mm -hmm. And so just yeah. to hold that awareness of the client's state, and like you said, not knowing, there's a lot we don't know, but how do we just stay present with, um, with that? I'm just remembering too that I'm remembering my first client uh, early in my practice, first client I had who told me she got a cancer diagnosis and what an impact that had on me. I was seeing her regularly, but the, the impact uh, on me as the therapist too was it, it really sent me for a loop. I was upset. I didn't know how to relate to her. It did bring up all my associations with, does that mean she's dying? Does that mean, you know, what, how do I, what do I say? Do I say my condolences? Do I say, I hope for the best? I really didn't even know how to deal with all the feelings that brought up in me. What, what do you have? What guidance do you give people around that, Janet or Rebecca? Um, oh, I tell that is so hard. Um, it, it's, it's hard, right? It, it, as many years as we've been doing this work and, and working with, with people who are going through cancer treatment or other chronic illness, it doesn't get any easier. First of all, that's the first thing that I would say um, to people to just, be, let's be realistic. <laughs> um, and I know, I, okay, so it's difficult. It depends. It's yeah. hard. Mm -hmm. And and then what do you do? Right. Um, so what? So yeah, let's get let's get practical. I hear it in your voice. Um, one of the things that that I try to guide people to do is yeah. to um, be aware, and this is something that we talk about a lot in Heal Well too, is to be aware of the stories that you are telling yourself. For example. Um, your client that you talked about till like the first person that you interacted with that you knew of yeah. um, who had a cancer diagnosis um, to just take a step back and acknowledge, okay, so now I am telling myself the story of how this client's going to, like, this is going to happen to them. And this is what the progression is going to be like yeah. and recognize that for what it is. It's a story. Uh, uh. Um, and to kind of, interrupt that process of storytelling because our, our brains will take us all kinds of places that are not useful in the moment. Um, and to be able to interrupt that in ourselves and be like, okay, so that's a story. This is now. Um, and to, to come to that uh, blank space, um, for lack of a better term. And it, it's, um, it's not something that can even be, can be taught in, you know, a three-day workshop or a six-day workshop. It is something that is a lifelong practice. Mm -hmm. So we encourage people to have, you know, do you have a contemplative practice? Whatever that means to you, whatever speaks to you, a practice that really, um, where you are really um, sitting with and examining and understanding the workings of your mind. Talking and, about a contemplative practice that gives you a place to reflect or to mm -hmm. maybe understand that my feelings are my story. Right. There's a perspective on that. Right. And gives you practice in doing uh -huh. that because you can um, practice that 
on your own in whatever um, framework is meaningful to you so that it's available to you more easily. The same way that we practice, for example, uh, the, the physical techniques of our work so that they're available to us um, mm -hmm. when we have an actual client or person. Mm -hmm. so, uh, what do you think, Janet? It's such a complex part of our work. Um, what I always try to do and, and guide people in doing is to stay with where the client is. So not go in the ups and downs with them, but stay where they are so that we're not bringing our own stuff into it because we can bring our own fears if a client has just had a, a new diagnosis. Um, we can be quite frightened, like you were saying, Taylor. We can be very emotional if it's someone we've worked with for a long time. But we really want to stay with them because it's their experience. And we don't want to bring our own stuff into it because that can be an incredible burden to them. That's such an important point. I mean, I, I experienced that myself in various uh, you know, health conditions that I had in the past. But I watch that happen all the time with you, Loretta, where all the expressions of caring you get uh, have a different impact, to, you know, depending on their content, where they're coming from. And so many of them sitting back in this place are so well-meaning and yet have so much uh, need for the sender in them. Yes. Uh, it's actually more of a request than an offering in a sense. Very much so. How are you doing? Being a really complicated question, you know, or what's going on with your treatment or just the, you know, the, the, uh, innocent uh, unawareness of how big a question that is in a way. So actually I'm, I'm curious for you, Loretta, is, is what, um, how, how, or if you can tell when someone is, is um, approaching you from a place of support and openness versus approaching you from a place of I'm scared about what you're going through and I need things. <laughs> yeah, I wanna say something more than the energetic that I feel, but it is about, are they, are they just being with me or are they doing something? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. So if, I, if I'm with somebody and they're, it's, it's how they're looking at me, it's, it's their energy? Are they moving fast? Are they just being with me? Are, are they feeling like they need to do something to give something to me? Um, or are they just being with me? I think it has to do with being versus doing. And just who I am, it's just an energetic thing. I, I, I feel like I'm not answering the question very um, I got it. scientifically. Maybe you could translate to <laughs> Well, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's back to the presence thing, if, at least what I'm understanding. You're saying, do you feel there? Do you feel someone's being in them? Do you are they reading this the the text or are they speaking from between the lines? Are they is there a spaciousness? Is there a matching yeah. your pace? Yeah. Is there a receptivity on that side, or is it just all one way content coming at you? Right. And can 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 I can they look at me? and be with me and feel me or do they feel like they need to do something with me oh i've Maybe often that's... thought that humans should be called human doings not human <laughs> beings because we spend so little time being right well you know and it makes me just think of our culture and how we're trained yeah. and how fast we're moving and and in my you know in my treatment world i'm way slowed down and so it's really clear to me when somebody is like 
trying to do something versus just kind of sitting with me and, and feeling where I'm at. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a challenge and a gift for me to be with you through that because it, you know, I'm still, I'm not in treatment, but I'm with you and still podcasting and doing all this stuff. And yet, you know, going home and having, having to, uh, Downshift. Downshift. <laughs> Recalibrate. Okay, okay, different state of mind, different state of being here. It's been a great practice. But I can see that being so important for a therapist, too, to understand that every one of our clients is in a different state of being and that there's lots of selections on our gear shift and we might have to downshift at that moment to, to meet theirs. Right. All right. A couple other uh, things, for, by the way. Uh, Rebecca and Janet for joining Loretta and I for our conversation about this. This is really nice to have this chance to catch up with Loretta too. Uh, what's, what's realistic to expect through from massage, let's say? What are some of the clear benefits that we can think of or that we, that we can help our clients uh, uh, reality check on what they're going to get out of massage in the treatment? Yeah, I, I'm not going to say it depends, even though I want to, um, <laughs> because there are some things, um, and I want to plug again, and I hope Janet will talk more about this. One of the chapters that Janet wrote in the book is the wonderful research chapter, oh. um, which is is um, has some really specific types of, of um, inquiry around massage and cancer treatment. Um, but there there are some uh, effects, experiences that are somewhat universal or very common, no matter what your treatment is, pain, anxiety, nausea, depression, fatigue. And massage therapy um, can be benefit all of those. Um, it, it, I should say, um, adequately trained, appropriately delivered <laughs> massage therapy mm -hmm. can benefit all of those. And these are things that no matter what the specific treatment someone is receiving, they will probably have an experience of at least one, possibly more than one of these. Um, Give us that list again, Rebecca, if you don't mind. Pain, mm -hmm. anxiety, mm -hmm. nausea, depression, and fatigue. Yeah. Um, and the, the sort of more esoteric thing that I don't necessarily have research on, but is kind of a, I, I feel this is true thing, mm -hmm. um, at least for traditional Western cancer treatments, there is necessarily um, a lot of approaching the body in pieces and parts. This is not, this is not an indictment of Western cancer treatment because um, approaching the body in pieces and parts has been responsible for a lot of remissions. Um, and a lot of people who are living today who may not have been decades ago. Um, but where massage can step in is that we can be um, a sort of respite and sanctuary where your body gets to be whole and your body as it is right now with whatever is going on is, um, well, to borrow from Sonia Renee Taylor, is not an apology. Your body is what it is. And what it is, is, you know, it's been successful in getting to your massage appointment. It's been su successful in living you through this day. 
So we get to acknowledge that wholeness, um, which is a little bit harder to codify, but it feels deeply important to me. You're talking uh, about just celebrating or acknowledging or being with the physicality that we are, just being in your body with someone else and having them attend to right, your physical being. Right. Yeah, and, and just having a space where there's a person, your massage therapist, your body worker, whose entire um, reason for existing is to be sweet to you, to be sweet to your body, um, you know, to be kind and loving and attentive to your wholeness, your whole body is really powerful. No matter what is happening in your life, it's incredibly powerful. And I can just interject a little bit there, like, you know, all of the things that you mentioned, the pain and discomforts of treatment um, can make you feel, touch can not only make you feel whole and sort of transcend that sort of discomfort state, but also it's like something feels good in the midst of feeling not good, you know, because of the treatment. The touch can actually, it's a respite, but it also feels good. to. Ha- it's, it's great to have something feel good when you're not feeling good. Let's underline that because that, that does tend to get m- missed, <laughs> I think, in our discussions of effects that feeling good is not a small thing, especially if that's not available to other ways. It's like feeling good is plenty good. I'll take it. Great. Okay. Uh, what, I mean, I got so many questions. What's, what's the hardest thing that you've seen are already trained therapists like me to get as they start to work with uh, people in cancer treatment or what would you say? I think the, the intake portion is really tough because a client can come in with so many symptoms and to figure out what might be causing them. For instance, a neuropathy could be from chemotherapy. It could be from radiation. Mm. It could be because they also have diabetes. There's a very, complex medical treatment is cancer treatment on top of a complex body which is what we all have and to figure out what the client's bringing to us and what we can realistically help them with and what we can't and knowing that clarity within ourselves but also helping them to understand what the the power of massage is but also the limitations which is where we can really help them to connect with other people, the integrative approach to to find someone who can help them with things uh, that they might not be able to address themselves or that we can't help them with. In some ways it's coming back to those benefits. And that's what I'm picturing. It's like my client comes in with a list of physical maladies that perhaps in other circumstances, massage or body work might be an indication for. In this special circumstance though, it's a bit more complex. And yet for me, coming back to the fact that, well, if I can't necessarily help Loretta's neuropathy uh, get you know, be diminished in one session there, uh, at least I can find some way to help that be an easier experience overall. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anything you have to say, Rebecca, about that? The 
hardest thing for already trained therapists to get? Um, well, I'm, I'm so glad that, that Jana talked about intake. Um, yeah. The, but the other thing that we see, which seems like it would be the easiest thing, but it's the modulating of the pressure. Not necessarily learning how to do it, but sort of um, owning it, for lack of a better term. Breaking, um, breaking the habits that might not go along with that, in my case, yeah. Exactly, and, and owning that um, you can touch someone what we call lightly and still have an effect that is profound. Um, that's a hard sell <laughs> in, in some workshops and, and we have many experiences and many stories about the person who came in who was, um, sorry, Till, I'm gonna say a rolfer, um, or you know who, who was used to heavy, heavy hands. And um, for, for them to, to sort of understand that they can work with someone with their hands being um, more gentle and sensitive in that way. Um, at a one, for example, on Tracy Walton's pressure scale versus a four or a five on Tracy Walton's pressure scale, and still the person will still feel benefit and um, you know feel better <laughs> after the treatment. That's um, that's often very challenging for people to yeah. accept. That is, yeah. yeah. In the in this realm and in others, I mean, that's a theme in our trainings for sure. That it's. Uh, often the case that people come in used to working a certain way and used to feeling using a certain level of pressure to feel the results let them know that they're having an effect so it is a recalibrating whether or not you're working with someone with, with cancer or living with cancer to uh really understand you said something rebecca about tissue you said we're not changing tissue i would you know it's a big discussion in the field the last decade or whatever yeah. maybe a theme on the <laughs> podcast here but I would say we are at least, or especially maybe brain tissue or heart tissue yeah, or all, yeah. of, uh, all of the different perceptive organs that are tissue based, you know, for sure we're, uh, you know, yeah. impacting that tissue. And that's been a helpful model for me to realize that I can actually influence the experience someone's having in their brain and their heart and their being. And it isn't uh, related to the amount of pounds, physical pounds of pressure that I use. It's more right. like the pounds well, of pre I, presence or something. I would agree with that. Oh, I, yeah. I thought so. Thank you. I mean, pounds of presence and also um, changing their focus. You oh. know, like with um, all the pain work that you've done till working mm. with people with pain, it's like, and, and so you're working with the brain and it's like, if somebody comes in and they have a focus on what's going on in their body, you can actually help them change their focus um, by appealing to well, what they're focusing on, basically. Okay, so anything else you want to underline around when we should refer? We've talked about that a few times along the way, but just anything else you want to make sure we say that when they should seek more training, when we should seek more training for ourselves? What do you think? Always is the answer. You know, the more we know, the more people we're exposed to, the more styles, the better practitioners we can be, I believe. Always seek more training. When do we refer? 
Well, first of all, medical emergencies, you know, sometimes yeah. people come in and they might have signs of blood clots and they might not know. So we need to know that so we can tell them that it's something they should have checked out before their massage happens. Yeah. Um, infections, poor tissue healing. Again, not everybody is really aware of what's going on in their body and what it signifies. So if we know a few of those uh, indications, then we can really help people to get the help they need if there's a medical emergency. And also if something's outside of either our scope of practice or our comfort, um, which I do all the time, if there's something I'm not really that comfortable working with, yeah. or I don't feel knowledgeable enough, then I refer all the time. Rebecca. Uh, you said it so well. I mean, really, um, yeah, I have no notes. <laughs> and I guess um, signs and symptoms of lymphedema as well. That's something yes. that we should all know as massage therapists and body workers, so that if somebody has any indication that they might be developing lymphedema, that we can refer them to someone who can do an assessment of that. The earlier they get help with that, the, the less they might be impacted by it. So that's a really important one as well. That's great. What thoughts do you want to leave us with? This is the most satisfying type of work to do as a massage therapist, in my experience, because we have such an impact on people's um, physicality and their sense of well-being and um, their ability then to, to go out and, and do more of what they have to do to get well, more treatments, more this, more that. I think we really offer a place for people to restore some of their energy. Mm. And uh, I absolutely love the work. Nice. And, and sort of growing from that, um, I, I would agree with that, that it's, it's very satisfying and uh, on a like heart and soul level for me work. And um, it's not necessarily for everyone. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. <laughs> I think it is important for all body workers to at least have a basic understanding of oncology massage um, because of the prevalence of folks who are in or been through cancer treatment, um, if only to know that this is not work that you wanna do and you need to refer that out. Um, so just to just really um, seek out an understanding of this kind of work. And if it doesn't um, appeal to you, then know that <laughs> and act on it. That's great to acknowledge that what we are comfortable with what we're not and have that be okay. But then you mentioned prevalence. What is the prevalence? I think, I mean, just from memory, isn't it like one in four women deals with breast cancer specifically? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's very, I oh shoot. One in five men deal with prostate cancer? Right, it's it's in the book. Um, but, it's in the book. <laughs> but, okay. but really um, we can say, I think with pretty high confidence that if you're a body worker for more than a year, you will absolutely 100% will have someone yeah. come into your office who has a history of cancer treatment. Okay. whether you know it or not. Yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, Loretta, anything you want to leave us with? Yeah, I really like what uh, Janet and Rebecca are saying about, you know, scope of practice and referral and all that. And I just think, you know, um, as a practitioner and as someone on the receiving end, it can just open up worlds if we are aware, like um, in terms of the... Um, skills that we need, but also it just can open up worlds of um, how to just really be present and 
have it affect our lives and our clients' lives. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well yeah. said. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, what would you put in part two? Of this? If there was a part two. Um, oh, my you, goodness. What didn't you have time for that was important? Or what do you want to expand some more? <sighs> There's so much. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we didn't really talk that much. We got to it a little bit at the end, but that much about like the prevalence yeah. of cancer treatment. And I, yeah. I would love to drill down more into intake like Janet mentioned, because it's so important. Like you can only work with what you know, right? Right. Um, the scope is important. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I actually, I would love to, <laughs> now that you ask, I have a hundred things. Um <laughs> the emotional impact of this kind of work on the practitioner and the potential, mm. the real potential for burnout yes, um, and emotional burnout and mm-hmm. um, how to manage that, um, mm-hmm. which I, I don't know if I know how to manage that, you know, ask me if I'm still practicing in five years, then I'll, maybe I do. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, it's always a conversation worth having. I think it's something we have to relearn daily, it seems. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd be interested in talking a little bit more about the practical applications. You know, mm. I work with um, so many people who, for instance, if a woman has had breast surgery and she needs to increase her range of motion in order to receive the radiation. Like I've worked with so many women where manual therapy of some sort, whether it's physio massage, helps them to be able to get their body working well enough to receive the treatment they need to get rid of the cancer. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Very That's practical great. things. And, and again, just radiation, but people have to assume all kinds of physical positions. You think of head and neck cancer and having the mask on and what that does to a person's emotions mm-hmm. and psyche. And uh, so some of that very practical stuff I find is very interesting for massage therapists. I know that both Rebecca and I feel really strongly that there should be some uh, oncology massage awareness in entry-level massage training, regardless mm-hmm. of how long that training is. Um, exactly. Just because of the prevalence of the cancer rates, but also survivorship. There's so many people who survive cancer now, and yet they still come right. in for massage, and we need to know a little bit about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. right. Well, thank you, Loretta. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca and Janet, if people want to find out more about each of your work, where would they go? Janet, let's start with you, if we could. Yeah, I have a website, focusmassagetherapy.ca. That's in Ottawa, and I answer all emails. Focusmassagetherapy.ca. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you. Rebecca? Well, you can always check out HealWell at healwell.org. And again, I also answer all emails. Um, We have online classes and an online community that are all linked from there that you can connect with folks who are um, doing this and other kinds of work. Wonderful. Thank you all for being with me today. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, Loretta. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's so nice to be with you both, Rebecca and Janet. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, and on the way out, I want to thank Handspring because when I was looking for a publisher for a book I wanted to write, I was fortunate enough to have ended up with two offers, 
one from a large international media conglomerate and the other from Handspring, which at the time was a small publisher in Scotland run by just four people who have a love of great books and of our field. To this day, I'm glad I chose to go with Handspring as not only did they help me make the books I wanted to share with you, the Advanced Smile Fascial Technique series, but their catalog has emerged as one of the leading collections of professional level books written especially for body workers, movement teachers, and all professionals who use movement or touch to help patients achieve wellness. Handspring was recently acquired by Jessica Kingsley Publishers, where it joins their integrative health publishing under the Singing Dragon imprint, and their amazing impact continues there today. Head on over to their website at handspringpublishing.com to check their list of titles, including Janet and Rebecca's book, Oncology Massage, an Integrative Approach to Cancer Care. Be sure to use the code TTP, The Thinking Practitioner, at checkout for a discount. Thanks, Handspring. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Stop by the sites, my site or Whitney's site for show notes. Whitney's site is academyofclinicalmassage.com. My site, advanced-trainings.com. There are questions or things you want to hear us talk about. Email us at info at thethinkingpractitioner.com or look for us on social media under our names. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Look for us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever else you listen And please do share the word and tell a friend. Thanks, everybody. Well, no, I went a whole hour without cussing. I'm kind of of glad that. You cussed too late. Quite a fucking bit. Yeah. Um, Oh, God, I love it. Shit. (laughs) 